chapter 8 and verse 9. It's on page 1163. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And let me say something to the boys and girls as well. I'm going to speak to you occasionally. Um, just a, a, a couple of things. I was really, really surprised a few weeks ago when one of you, I won't name, you're very young, but you came up to me at the end and you gave me uh, a list of, well, in fact, you gave me some drawings that you'd made of the sermon, and it was actually brilliant. So I just thought, you know, six, seven years old, you can, you can listen and you can understand this uh, as well. And I'm going to speak to you, especially as we go through this, but also speaking to the adults as well. Now, here's the important thing. When you have Christmas dinner at your house and everyone's talking at once, who, who gets listened to? Probably the person with the biggest voice, but nobody. So when God is speaking to us, then we listen. We listen to what he says through his word. And sometimes, I'm not saying that this ever happened to me, but it probably did. Sometimes your parents will say to you, enough, time out. So if you need a time out, there's a room through there. You can be taken for a time out. And any of the adults here, if you don't behave yourselves, Hugh's going to take you for a time out. Uh, and you really don't want that. But also, um, let me ask the boys and girls, what do people normally eat on Christmas Day? What do they normally eat? Go on. Turkey. Okay, right. I did not know this until this week, and I just thought this was fascinating. Does anyone know why turkeys are called turkey? Turkeys. There you go. See, that's one of the puzzles of life. Nobody knows why turkeys are called. Guess what? There's a country called Turkey. But turkeys don't come from Turkey, they come from Mexico. And they really should be called Mexicans. You should be having Mexican for your Christmas. But that probably means a different thing. Do you know why they're called turkeys? Because when people from this country first discovered them, they thought they looked like birds that Turkish traders sold, so they called them turkeys. So that's why they're called turkeys. And even more bizarrely, and a completely useless fact, is that turkeys were first bred in the United Kingdom in Norfolk. Would you believe it? So when you see these adverts about turkeys from Norfolk, that is actually correct. But why are we here? We're not here to hear about turkeys. We're not here to hear about all the different uh, traditions and customs of Christmas. We're here to learn what Christmas is really about. And if we were to do a kind of multi-question thing, then... These are four answers that I found in the past couple of days that just came up on the radio or I heard in, even people preaching in churches. One was this, to show that if God can use a small baby, he can use any one of us. So is that what Christmas is about? There's a small wee baby and hey, little babies, God can use them so he can use anyone. Is that what turkeys, oh, that's what turkey, is that what Christmas is meant to be? I've got turkeys on the brain. Um, or another is that we should... So that's A, that we, we, we realise we can all be used. Or B, that we should all learn to give gifts to one another. Great thing to give gifts, but is that what it's about? Or, as I heard this morning, the sermon this morning said, Christmas is political dynamite in a patriarchal world. Don't, don't even begin to go there. Right? So it's political dynamite in a patriarchal world. Or, Christmas is about doing the best you can with you, the life you have. It's a wonderful life. And if you haven't been to see it yet, it's a tradition that you must go and see It's a Wonderful Life at the DCA, which is lovely, but nothing 
to do with what Christmas is really about. I think in our culture, we forget very quickly, maybe we all forget as quickly as we learn things. Yesterday, I was in a card shop, and I was having a look at the Christmas cards, uh, because I was standing there waiting for people who shall not be named, and I was just getting a bit bored, so I thought, I'll go through every single Christmas card while I'm waiting, uh, and just see if there's any that say anything about Jesus. Do you know, in the whole of that card shop, and it was a card shop, there wasn't one card that said anything about Jesus. There was Christmas trees, there was Santa, they were the main things. The only thing you got that was vaguely religious was the wise men or the shepherd, but nothing about Jesus. The, the Thistle Shopping Centre in Stirling got itself in a, in a bit of bother this past week because um, they refused to allow a nativity scene to be displayed because they were quote-unquote religiously neutral. And I laughed. There was, there's a Catholic group called Santa Maria, and uh, they just went and enacted a nativity. They basically went in dressed as baby and Joseph, Mary and Joseph, and, the, and took the baby Jesus, and they just went around asking people. I just thought it was actually brilliantly done. But imagine that. We are religiously neutral. Now, let me say this to you. What you think of Jesus Christ cannot be neutral. Let me explain it this way. What if I said to you, I'm neutral about racism? I'm neutral about murder? No, you can't be neutral. When you say you're neutral, you're making a a, a statement. And when you say you're neutral about Jesus, you're making a statement. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is encouraging the Christians at the church in Corinth to give. Corinth, place uh, in Greece. And he tells them about another place in Greece, Macedonia, because he says these Macedonians were able to give generously and joyfully, even though they were poor. It's good, isn't it, when you give generously and joyfully. Some of us might give because of guilt. I'd better give that person because they gave me something. And some of us can give out of competition. So if you're in one of those horrible families where people compete to see who can give the biggest present. No, they gave because... Paul says, of the grace of Jesus. They were motivated but because of Jesus and because of who, who they knew Jesus to be. So the key question for Christmas is always, what do we think about Jesus? Not what do we think of the gifts he gives us, but what do we think of him? And let me issue a challenge here to those of us who are Christians. I think we very easily fall into the trap of thinking about the gifts, thinking about Um, different things that we want, thinking about the good things that God can give us, thinking about what we do, even perhaps thinking about various stories in the Bible, but when do we really think about Jesus Christ? We assume. We, We don't think. When do we meditate about Jesus Christ? When When are we overcome? with wonder, love, and awe because of who Jesus is. It's what our private thoughts are of Christ, who he is and what he has done. I'll guarantee you this, that if you're like me, that this past week you thought an awful lot about yourself. And you thought an awful lot probably about other people, but not as much as about yourself. About the wrongs they've done to you and the good things they've done. 
And you maybe, maybe you thought a lot about food and you maybe, there's a lot of different things that you thought about. But I wonder if we were to take any time to think how much we think about Jesus. Uh, on, if you've got a, a, an iPhone, and I'm sure the other phones as well, they've now got this device that tells you how many minutes or hours you spent each day on your phone. Um, I'm glad to say that the last week I was 26% down on the previous week, but that was still way too high. But it also breaks it up and it tells you how much you spend on social media and how much you spend on games and how much you spend on, on reading or different things. And if we, if we were able to have that device for our minds, and this past week we were asked, how much did we think of ourselves? How much did we think of others? How much did we think of various things? But how much did we think about Jesus? I think for most of us, it would be very, very, very small. And that's a problem. It's a real problem. Because look at this. Paul says, he's telling the Corinthians to give, and he's saying, you know, you know what I want you to do? I want you to do it thinking about Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, he became poor. Now, we often use that in terms of economic poverty, but we shouldn't exaggerate that. Because Jesus, his dad was a carpenter. Um, Jesus was never in a position where he was starving. Yes, when he did his ministry, he had nowhere to lay his head. But Jesus wasn't exceptionally poor. He was just, in, you know, Jesus was about as normal as, as you could get in terms of the culture that he was in. But the poverty, I think, that Paul is speaking of here is, is, is a different kind of poverty. It's a poverty of the things that happened to him. So, for example, Jesus was mocked. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus suffered. Jesus was murdered. He was killed. The agony of the cross. And greatest of all, he did that because he died for our sins. He suffered our hell for us. Jesus became poor. He came from the riches of heaven, from the, the glory of being God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He came from that, where he was worshipped and on earth he was mocked, where he was Loved and on earth, he was rejected. Where he was served and on earth, he was per persecuted. Where he lived in perfect bliss and perfect happiness, and on earth he suffered. Where he was the eternal one, and on earth he died. You know the grace, says Paul. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is, as the acronym has it, God's riches at Christ's expense. Christ was full of grace. In uh, the Gospel of John, John 13, we're told that God gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. We, we receive within measure. We have a, a certain amount of grace, but Christ has grace eternal. Of his fullness, says John, we have all received the great message of Christmas is that God became human and dwelt amongst us and communicates himself to us. For those of you who are theologically minded, and I, I just think this is a wonderful thought, that the, human na the, the, the nature of Jesus 
the God, the divine nature of Jesus is communicated to us through the human nature of Jesus. If your view of Christmas is just about a human baby, then you greatly, greatly misunderstand. If you realize that this is a human baby who is also God and through whom God is communicated to us, then it is something very, very different. God's grace is found fully in Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to sing the song uh, from the squalor, which is a song about that, about the, the poverty that Jesus was born into and the riches that he brings to us, which we'll look at in a moment. From the squalor of a borrowed stable, by the spirit and a virgin's faith, to the anguish and the shame of scandal, came the Savior of the human race. Let's stand and sing these words before we return to this verse. Amen. Now, I wonder what the best gift you've ever received is. Um, Some of you will have, maybe you can tell me at the end, some of you will have different ideas. Uh, For me, probably the best gift I ever received was in Christmas 2011, when I was able to go home uh, from hospital and just to be at home. And that that, that was all that I needed. It was just wonderful. But the best gift any of us ever receives is, of course, Jesus Christ. In, in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul uh, praises God and says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Let's just reflect on that just for a moment, what this, this gift of Christ is. When we talk about the gift of Christ, what does that mean? And, and let me say this especially to those of you who are not yet Christians, that it's a gift that I would, that's in a sense given to you already. And for those of us who are Christians, sometimes um, we need to, I, I don't think any of us like get, getting an old present that's rewrapped. Um, has this ever happened to you that that you've given someone a present and they didn't particularly like it and they forgot that you gave it to them and they give, give it back to you f- pretending that they bought it for you. Um, it has happened. It does happen. Um, we don't like getting a, a present again. But I think for all of us as Christians, we need almost to receive Christ continually and and to receive him again. So let's just reflect, both for those who are not Christians and those who are Christians, what this gift of Christ means. His indescribable gift. See, Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is desirable. Jesus is glorious. Sometimes religion is presented in such a way that we're we're kind of saying, well, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this because otherwise you'll be in trouble or you have to do this in order to get this. But real Christianity comes... When you see Jesus and you want him, you want to belong to him, you want to believe in him, you want to trust him. Jesus Christ, full of glory. And that's not because of the outward pomp, it's not because of the great ceremonies, it's not because of the great building, it's because what John says, we saw his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of the Father. What does the world see? The world sees a poor man that they despise. 
a poor man that they can patronize. But we see the glory of Jesus, Christ full of grace, even even the baby in the manger, the angels of heaven praised him and saw his glory. The kings, the wise men from the east, they saw his glory. The shepherds saw his glory. And we need to see the glory of Jesus Christ. Christ, who is full of grace, we beheld, says Paul, the glory of God in the face of Christ. And when we see that, when we know who Christ is, when we grasp who he is, it is like, you know, you know you're a small child, you open a present, you're more interested in the, in the, in the, in the wrapping. Can I say this? I think many of us are very immature Christians, but we're more interested in the wrapping than we are in Christ. But when you, you get given a gift and you open the wrapping and you open the wrapping and you open the wrapping, you know, have you ever had one of those gifts, that the stupid game that people play with you, big parcel, open it, another parcel, open it, another parcel, another parcel, another parcel, and sometimes it's just a smarty, yeah, thanks, uh, but maybe sometimes it's a beautiful gold diamond ring or something. You just go, wow. I think that there's a lot of wrappings that people put around Christ And we just need to see Christ and to know Christ and to understand Christ. And then he says, we're made rich. You through his poverty might become rich. Now, that's not saying that God's going to make us millionaires. Because the poverty that Christ, remember the poverty that he became, he was mocked, he was rejected and so on. We become rich. That's a richness of spirit. That's we receive the fruit of the spirit. That's our attitudes change. That's a joy that's there despite suffering and pain and sorrow. Because some of you are here and you're experiencing real sickness. Real sickness, so much so that you wonder if you'll make it through another year. Some of you have experienced the sorrows of broken relationships, of divorce, of of fractured families. Some of you have experienced trouble and difficulty and hassle at work or split friendships. There are so many things. Some of us have experienced things, broken minds, uh, psychologically really, really struggling. How are we made rich? We are made rich by coming to know Jesus and by getting everything said in the context of who Christ is, that he walks with us through the, the valley of the shadow of death, that he's there to comfort and to guide and to help. So I think the riches that you through his poverty might become rich, it's not the riches of material wealth. I remember being struck, probably the richest place I think I've ever seen, it was a shopping mall in Hong Kong. And all these people, I mean, you you had to have a fortune to be evil, even to walk the shops, I think. But I just thought it was such an empty and shallow wealth. And you see it all the time where... This afternoon, I suspect, the town will be really, really busy with people celebrating, inverted commas, the birth of Christ by spending money often that they don't have, thinking that that's what brings happiness, but it doesn't. It's Christ who brings happiness. Look at the blessings he gives. I'll just mention two. One is salvation from sin, so that all the anger, all the greed, all the selfishness, all the lust, all the pride that we are saved from that by Jesus Christ. And then we are brought into the blessings of the new age. Ephesians 1, 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You are blessed. If you are a Christian, you are blessed this Christmas. You are blessed because of the first Christmas, and you are blessed because of what Christ has done. But let's come back to 2 Corinthians and this giving. How can we be generous and joyful to others? How do we give our material goods? We can feel a wee bit selfish, and it's not just children. Um, I'm not a a big fan of chocolates, but there is one particular brand that we quite like, and they're there, and there's the one I particularly like, which is the white one. And I don't like the green one, and my wife doesn't like the green one. And when I say, shall I go through and get a chocolate, I get a chocolate, I'm so tempted just to put the white one in my pocket, because it's the last white one. I want it. And what's it matter? It's just a chocolate, and she can have the green one. Who cares? Um, but it's just wrong, isn't it? We're so, we're kind of so self-absorbed in all of that. And even if I was to go, well, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you the one that you like, and I'm going to take the one that I don't like. And that's still about me. It's really, really selfish. But what about joyfully giving to others? How can we be generous and joyful givers to others? Giving of our material goods, but giving of our time and giving of ourselves. I think it's lovely, by the way, that um, there's an international meal here, uh, and it's sold out, it's packed out um, on Christmas Day. But it means that some people are going to joyfully be giving their time to serve others. And I think that's wonderful. Because I tend to think, well, it's about me, isn't it? No, it's not. But how can we do that? Paul tells us, he says, I want you to give, but you give yourselves first to the Lord. And you can only give yourselves first to the Lord when you realize who he is. Okay, I've got three things to finish with. Number one, I do need to ask the boys and girls your help with this one. Um, who's the guy in the red that we remember at Christmas? Well, we don't remember. It's supposed to be at Christmas. Who wears a red cloak and has a white beard? Who is it? Not Jesus, no. <laughs> you, Jesus is usually the answer. Yeah, you've got your Jesus book there. Thank you. Who is it, Lois? Santa, okay. Now... Saint Nicholas actually was the real person on whom Santa is based. He didn't wear red, by the way. He's someone called Saint Nicholas. And there's a story about him. He was a bishop in the fourth century, which is a long, long time ago, in Turkey. So we're really on a Turkish theme today. And he was a bishop in Turkey. And he was a good man. He was a, he was a good, fine Christian. And one Christmas... He was deeply filled with gratitude for Jesus and what Jesus had done. So you know what he did? He went to a poor area of his city. He went to a slum area of the city, and he was carrying a heavy sack on his back. And he went to a door of a mud hut, and he knocked on that door and was greeted by three little children with dirty faces. And he gave them, took the pack off his back, and he gave each of these children a lovely, warm, woolen robe. And then he went home. That man was called Nicholas of Myra. He was the bishop there, and he became known as Saint Nicholas. And that is how we get this this idea of, of, of Santa and of giving and how important it is. But you see, the point of giving is not that we give in order to get back. The point of giving from the Christian perspective is we give because we have received. And especially, we give the gospel. 
Now, how that applies in our world today, I want to tell you about a, an amazing man uh, in a church in China. He's called Pastor Wang Yi, and he'd written out a letter which he'd given to his congregation, and he said to them, if I am held in prison for more than 48 hours, please publish this letter. And it's a letter to the Chinese authorities. Well, he was in prison. He's still in prison. We don't even know if he's alive. And this is part of what he wrote. He says, those who lock me up will one day be locked up by angels. Those who interrogate me will finally be questioned and judged by Christ. When I think of this, the Lord fills me with a natural compassion and grief towards those who are attempting to actively imprison me. Pray that the Lord would use me, that he would grant me patience and wisdom that I might take the gospel to them. Separate me from my wife and children, ruin my reputation, destroy my life and my family. The authorities are capable of doing all of these things. However, no one in this world can force me to renounce my faith. No one can make me change my life, and no one can raise me from the dead. It's interesting. You get clergy in the West saying, do you know what Christmas is about? It's about politics, and it's about changing the system. And we're comfortable. Pastor Wang Yi is in prison for his faith, and you know what he says in his letter? It's not about changing the system, and it's not about politics. It's about telling people about Jesus, and I want to tell people about Jesus. And you know what he says to the Chinese authorities? You can do this. You can take my life. You can destroy me. You can ruin my reputation. You can take my wife. You can do all of this, but you can never, ever make me renounce my faith in Jesus, and you can't raise me from the dead, and he can. Now, you see, that's real faith. And I'll tell you what. That's why the Chinese authorities are terrified of Christianity. Because if you're not afraid of them, what can they do to you? And it's the same in our culture. I know many of us will go into this year thinking, oh, what's going on? And oh, it's all a mess and so on. Uh-huh, it's always been a mess. That's why Christ came. The light came into the darkness. He didn't come into the light. And it's still the same. We bring the gospel to every culture. And the gospel will always find a way through. This will tell you of a certain vintage. I realized, I felt how old I was when I realized I had heard this song when it first came out. It's the 40th anniversary of a song called Mary's Boy Child by Boney M. Now, Boney M are ridiculous. They are a German band who have some Christians in them. And they basically, if, you, if any of you remember what disco music was, they're kind of like disco funk. And I, this, is, this is like a guilty pleasure, like ABBA. I actually really like them, um, and I, re I really like ABBA as well. But Boniem were Christians, and uh, this week on Radio Scotland, the lead singer was being interviewed about it, and she was asked by the presenter, John Beattie, why is your song so endearing and popular? And she went, I, I almost I burst out laughing, and, and I thank God for this, because she said, because the Holy Spirit helped us. And there was like stunned silence. And then she said, we prayed before we recorded that song. And then she says, when I went into the studio, I went with my Bible and I put it in front of the microphone. And when I sang, I had my Bible in front of me. And John Beatty went and said, well, thank you very much. And now moving on. <laughs> I just don't think he was expecting it. But it was a very clear testimony. And actually, that song is incredibly catchy, by the way. 
Um, and if you don't know it, I'm not going to sing it to you. Uh, I'm sure the band could play it, but um, it, it's just this bizarre pop song that has more truth in it than many so-called Christian songs. Long time ago in Bethlehem, so the Holy Bible said, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. Hark now hear the angels sing, a king was born today, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. And then it's the, they juxtapositioned it with another song called, Oh My Lord. Oh my Lord, you send your son to save us. Oh my Lord, your very self you gave us. Oh my Lord, that sin may not enslave us and love may reign once more. Oh my Lord, so praise the Lord. They had begun to doubt you. Oh my Lord, he is the truth forever. What did they know about you? Oh my Lord, so praise the Lord. But they were lost without you. They needed you so bad, this light is shining on us. And there, are, there were people walking around when I was a teenager, singing these words because they were so catchy and they contain gospel truth. And I smiled because I just thought, isn't it interesting? I've listened on the BBC to several services in the past week and very few of them conveyed Christ. And this interview with Mr. Beatty, with this lady, this German lady, uh, conveyed something and the song being played conveyed something of the gospel. My God, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Please do not think that that means that you're going to get a Porsche for Christmas. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that. But I tell you this, if you have Christ, it means that with all the oppressive things that are in your life, all the negativity, all the jealousy, all the anger, all the bitterness that you can still experience and know and receive the forgiveness of Christ. And you may say, well, my sin prevents me because it's me who's these things. But actually, in reality, Christ paid for your sin. And that surely is the most wonderful and glorious things. My God, says Paul, will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You may be worried about health. You may be worried about finances. You may be worried about your work. You may be worried about your relationships. And these are all things that are important. But all your needs are met according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Remember what we saw at the beginning? Christ is beautiful. The glory, he came from the glory. He came from the glorious kingdom. Remember that. And remember how from that infinitely rich resource of grace, God feeds, God blesses, God protects, God restores his people. If you're a Christian, praise him and remember that because the devil keeps wanting you to forget it. If you are not a Christian, you need to come and know him. Last Sunday evening after the carol service, uh, and if you're here, please do speak to me again. I was approached by uh, somebody who... Um, the, I thought the nativity, by the way, was wonderful, who just simply said to me, I can understand, I think, God coming down as, as a baby, as Jesus. But why was that necessary? Why was it necessary? What, was that the only way? It's such a great question, because it is true. It is the only way. Christ is the only way. Whatever else you do this Christmas, make sure you get Christ.
Make sure you think about Christ. Make sure you worship Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and may it continue to be a blessing to us from the youngest to the oldest. Help us to see the beauty of Jesus. Help us, O Lord, to worship you. Help us to know your presence with us in all that we say and do. In your name, amen. Amen. We're going to finish by singing the carol once in Royal David City. Um, And after we've sung this, we shall uh, remain standing for the benediction and then tea and coffee will be served either side. Those of you who are upstairs, please do come down and join us for that. If you are a visitor, please do uh, make yourself known. If you've got any questions or comments, please do feel free to talk to me at the end. So once in Royal David City, let's stand and sing this.